Senate Foreign Relations Committee uh, will come to order. Um, before, before I move into the business at hand, I know the Senate floor is closed today. I just want to say that uh, how disappointed I was in the President's comments yesterday relative to Iran. I know that we have questions uh, about the TIP report and trafficking, and I wonder if, because we have questions and concerns about trafficking, it throws us into a category of, of, of being bad people. Um, I thought the President's comments yesterday relative to Iran, I, I just want to put things in perspective. Before we had a 19 to 0 committee vote here, the White House had a veto threat against us weighing in on the Iran deal, veto threat, up until an hour and a half before that vote took place, because they did not want a public debate on Iran. Obviously, the committee chose otherwise. We passed it out on a 19-0 vote. Everyone here voted for it. But they did not want the issue debated. What the President did yesterday by saying that Senator Cardin, a ranking member who has questions about the Iran deal, Senator Menendez, who has questions about the Iran deal, uh, by the way, both of which voted against the Iraq War, if I remember correctly. Senator Johnson, who has concerns about the Iran deal, we are being compared to the hardliners in Iran because we have concerns, concerns that we are trying to have answered. Uh, just a few months ago, the President publicly was talking about what a thoughtful, principled person I was. I have to get the quote someplace. But now, <laughs> but now because I have concerns, and I think everyone has concerns, and people are going to have to make a decision. This is going to be one of the toughest decisions. But he's trying to shut down debate by saying those who have questions, legitimate questions, legitimate questions, are somehow unpatriotic, are somehow compared to hardliners in Iran. And again, it's to shut down debate. It's to make this about something other than arguing it on the merits of the deal. So I'm very disappointed. I, I know Senator Cardin was meeting with the President last night. I do want to say, Senator, I, I wish that you had been there last night to hear, to hear the discussion about Parchin. Wendy Sherman said yesterday in banking, she would come share with us how Parcheen, how that arrangement was working. I called her early this morning to ask her if she would at least, at a minimum, uh, let us have her notes from when she was briefed by the IAEA. And I'm beginning to believe uh, that one of the reasons they do not want people to know, it's not about Iran's confidentiality. I don't think it would stand the test of late-night comedy if people understood how the Parchin thing was being done. So I, I just hope that today we thank Sarah Sewell for being here. The fact that we have concerns 
about trafficking that, again, on a unanimous vote, we voted to end modern slavery in this world, that somehow we will not be viewed as people who are unpatriotic, be viewed as people that somehow are not serious about this issue. So today we're going to examine recently released 2015 State Department Trafficking in Persons Report. This year's report has attracted significant interest because of controversy over how tier rankings were made regarding certain countries, including India, China, Malaysia, Saudi Arabia, Cuba, and Mexico. We thank Undersecretary of State Sarah Sula for Sewell for testifying today so she can explain these tier rankings to the committee. If it is true that the administration politicized this report, there are questions about why they chose to significantly diminish a tool that has been effective in fighting slavery, slavery around the world. If we're, going to actually go, if we're actually going to end modern slavery, we need to take on the hard questions and work harder. How we make the tough calls matter. The integrity of the TIP report matters for our country's credibility when we speak up for the powerless and the oppressed. The State Department and our nation will be judged by how the State Department leaders make tough calls on the TIP report's tier rankings. The State Department's behind closed doors tier ranking process only muddies the water. We in Congress and everyone in the State Department and other parts of our government are responsible for implementing the Trafficking Victims Protection Act each year, the TIP report makes recommendations for progress and turns these into tailored action plans for our embassies. Rigorously applied TIP action plans should inform the tough calls on tier rankings. In releasing the 2015 TIP report, Secretary Kerry said that, bottom line, it is up, this is no time for complacency. I am not convinced, and I hope I won't be criticized for this, or I'll be ridicule for this, I'm not convinced that this report lives up to that statement. As many as 27 million human beings live in conditions of modern slavery. We need to be serious about this for their sake. And with that, I'd like to, re to recognize our distinguished ranking member, Senator Cardin, who I respect greatly and really appreciate his commitment, uh, his long-term commitment to ensuring that human rights are honored and that we deal with issues like this uh, with, in a way that's full of integrity. Thank you. Well, Mr. Chairman, first, thank you for convening this hearing. And in regards to your opening comments, I want you to know I think you are a continue and always have been a thoughtful, principled person. I want you to know that. And I respect greatly your leadership on this committee in the manner that we've been able to work together. Well, hopefully, if I disagree with you once, you won't <laughs> compare you won't compare me to the hardliners uh, in Iran. Uh, that, that's um, and uh, but I, I want to um, you know I'm going I'm still going through the review process. I have not reached a decision on the, uh, on the vote that will take place uh, when we return in September. And I, I, I want to underscore a point that uh, Senator Corker and I, working with our leadership, encouraged our leadership to provide for a, the debate on the floor of the United States Senate that we think is uh, befitting uh, this critical issue. So yesterday, without any objection, we moved on to the bill. So when we come back on Tuesday, we're not going to have to go through, in September, we're not going to have to go through a cloture vote. We're not going to have to go through any procedure hurdles. We'll be on the bill. And at that point, I expect that the majority leader will put forward 
uh, the uh, bill that we will be voting on, and we will be right on that debate when we return and use that week, I hope, to debate this issue, and each member of the United States Senate make up his or her mind as to what he or she thinks is in the best interest of this country. Uh, I did not interpret from the President's uh, remarks uh, that he is uh, challenging any of our independent uh, judgments on this. You are correct. I voted against the Iraq War. I do not see a comparison between this vote and the Iraq vote. The interesting thing, uh, just to make, make a sidebar on this, uh, I voted against the authorization for use of military force in Iraq, and in my district, it was a congressional district, not a state at the time, it was overwhelmingly unpopular, overwhelmingly. It was not a close call. Uh, and it was uh, one of the most consequential votes that I cast in my career in the House. And it was interpreted to have an impact on my reelection. Uh, this is not the case when it comes to this vote. This, there's divided views in this country on this issue. This is not a clear uh, situation where the popular view is to support the president or oppose the president. There are very strong views on both sides. Don't get me wrong. But uh, it, and, and that was a clear use that we're going to go for force. Here, we're not authorizing the use of military force. So I, I, I disagree yeah. with the president's interpretation on that issue. Having said that, I don't disagree with the president's um, strong statement. I th he is uh, uh, clearly uh, doing what we would expect the President of the United States to do, show strength in his position and taking the case to the American people as I expect he would. So I, I, don't, I don't join my, my good friend and principled leader of this committee <laughs> in the interpretation of the President's remarks. One of the most important responsibilities of this committee is oversight. You know, we've passed a lot of laws, but are those laws being carried out the way that it should? And today's hearing is an oversight hearing on an extremely important subject. And we have a very distinguished uh, 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 witness today, uh, our administrative spokesperson on this. She has a long, distinguished career in promoting human rights and dealing with trafficking. So she, uh, I just want you to know that uh, so you come to this committee with great credibility, and we thank you for your public service. Trafficking is modern-day slavery. We have a moral imperative to speak out against trafficking. It involves labor servitude. It involves sex trafficking. It involves financing criminal activities. Uh, the ILO estimates that it, it brings in about $150 billion a year for illegal activities. It affects children who are victims of trafficking. The number of victims, uh, they're robbed of their future. The chairman mentioned in the high 20 millions, we have estimates anywhere from 20 million victims to 36 million victims of trafficking. And they're victims. And we owe an obligation to deal with this. I am proud of the leadership in our country. For a long time, working with the U.S. Helsinki Commission, we took the leadership to develop not only laws in America, but to show international leadership. In the OSCE countries, we now have special representatives and we have reports every year on trafficking and we share the best practices. Why? Because of the US leadership, because of what we've done in this country. And quite frankly, we celebrated this year the 15th anniversary of the Tra Trafficking Victims Protection Act. It was a 
incredible accomplishment by this Congress and the United States and leadership globally on the issue. As a result, we have the Trafficking in Persons Report, which is the gold standard. It's on my desk. I look at it before I meet with any representative of another country so I can go over their trafficking issues and can make it clear that if they want to have the type of relationship with our country, they have to make fighting trafficking a high priority in their country. So we take great pride in the leadership of our country. The 2015 report causes me concern, causes me concern. And I, I want to get answers today about the 2015 report. There are upgrades in this report that are hard to understand. And I put Malaysia number one on the list. Malaysia has a very serious problem of trafficking in labor. We know about it. We've documented it. And in this report, Malaysia has been upgraded from tier three to tier two watch list. A tier three country is the governments of countries that do not fully comply with the Trafficking Victims Persons Act minimum standard and are not making significant efforts to do so. So what's changed between the 2015 report and the 2014 report in Malaysia? Well, there's a couple of things that have changed. They've enacted amendments to their law, but they haven't carried them out. The number of prosecutions are ridiculously low on convictions. They have not implemented the new law. Just recently, beyond the window for reviewing this report, mass graves were discovered. And there's one other thing that's new since last year, and that is Congress passed Trade Promotional Authority. And there is a concern whether that had an impact on Malaysia's upgrade. I hope it didn't, but I tell you, and we talked about it before the report came out, I just hope that we're using objective standards. There's been reports that have been made that there was high-level discussions that disagreed with the staff-level recommendations. I understand the decisions made at the high level, as it should be, but how much politics went into this? I hope zero, because this is the, the TIP report is the gold standard. I could talk about concerns in Cuba and Uzbekistan and other countries as well. So, Mr. Chairman, this is a very important hearing in which this committee needs to make sure that the work we have done in this country setting the global example on our commitment against trafficking remains credible and always improving. And, Mr. Chairman, I've asked my staff, working with your staff, uh, to listen to today's hearings. Do we need to strengthen the Trafficking Victims Persons Act? Do we need to do things to have congressional direct oversight before you take a country off of Tier 3? Have we reached that point where we have to have a stronger law in this country? And that's one of the questions that I hope will be addressed today uh, so that this country can continue to lead in fighting the scourge of modern-day slavery. Senator Cardin, that census is somewhat unusual. I think most people have gone home. Uh, we don't probably, we're probably not going to have a very full uh, process here at the committee. I don't know if any other committee members want to make some opening comments. We don't typically do that, but uh, if it's okay with you, I'd be certainly glad for that to occur. Well, Mr. Chairman, I appreciate the opportunity because of the nature <clears throat> of the issue and the interest that I've had here. 
And I want to start off by thanking you and the ranking member for supporting my call for hearings. Uh, because uh, all of the concerns and reservations that uh, Senator Cardin has expressed are mine and beyond. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I, I'd like to consent to enter some background documents on Malaysian trafficking into the record, one from the Malaysian Bar Association, one from the international NGO Verite, and one from the United Nations. Without objection. Mr. Chairman, in the State Department's own words, the Trafficking in Persons Report, quote, is the U.S. government's principal tool to engage foreign governments on human trafficking. We are here today because the integrity of this year's report has been called into question, and that means our nation's commitment to our most fundamental principles has been called into question. Secretary Kerry himself, in his introduction to this year's report, tells us that, quote, justice it is not just a matter of having the right laws on the books. We have to back those words with resources, strategies, and actions that produce the right results. And that is true here. And that should be our aspiration for the countries in the report. Sadly, I'm convinced that this year we have not met that standard. Under your leadership, Mr. Chairman, human trafficking was one of the very first issues that we tackled, one of our first hearings, the first comprehensive piece of legislation reported from this committee. It demonstrated that it would be a priority for us, and I salute you for that. Subsequent hearings in the House and legislation on modern slavery led by Senator Corden in April kept the issue at the top of our concerns. On the same day that legislation passed the Senate 99 to 0, the Finance Committee added my amendment to prohibit fast-track treatment for the worst human traffickers, those countries that the TIP report ranks as Tier 3. That provision is now law, signed by President Obama as part of the Trade Promotion Authority. There can be no doubt that our fight against modern-day slavery is a bipartisan, bicameral commitment to put our principles in actions. But several months ago, we began to hear reports, both in the press and from sources close to this process, that this year's TIP report was under exceptional pressure to shape the rankings to meet political demands, not the facts on the ground. And I'm sorry to say that the rankings in this year's report held up against the hard facts about human trafficking and compared to the conclusions from the most respective and authoritative sources appears in many instances to be the result of external pressure, not the independence and integrity we expected when we created this process. So, Mr. Chairman, I'll ask that the rest of my statement be included in the record, and I look forward to the opportunity to ask questions. Senator Johnson, uh, you good? Our witness is Sarah Sewell, the Undersecretary of State for Civilian, Civilian Security, Democracy, and Human Rights, who was sworn in on February 20th, 2014. She serves concurrently as a special coordinator for Tibetan issues. Over the previous decade, she taught at Harvard Kennedy School of Government. During the Clinton administration, she served as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Peacekeeping and Humanitarian Assistance. Um, I want to thank you for responding to the invitation today. I, I think everyone knows we tried to get the regionals uh, in because we felt like much of the pressure came from regionals uh, to carry out maybe a different agenda. We were unable to do that, but we thank you very much for, uh, for coming in today and, and representing the administration's view on this. We thank you for your service to our 
to our country, and obviously uh, there's a lot of passion around this issue because we've seen firsthand um, the effects of trafficking and slavery. We've seen um, we've seen young coeds, or not coeds, young women who could be coeds uh, here in our university system. We've seen them being sold into slavery and trafficked uh, for sex. We've seen that. We've seen the effect on their families. We know what happens uh, in fishing. We know what happens in brick kilns. We know what happens in rug manufacturing. These are human beings just like us. And uh, they're being depraved of freedoms. Uh, every sensibility that any human being can care about is threatened by this. And the fact that this possibly, for other agenda items, uh, our concern has been cast aside, obviously concerns us. But we thank you for, for being here. This is not, we know you're representing the administration, and none of this should be uh, something that uh, is directed at you personally. But as you can tell, there's, there's significant concerns. Thank you. We look forward to your testimony. Thank you, Chairman Corker, Senator Cardin, members of the committee. Uh, thank you for having me here today, and thank you for your leadership on this issue. I know that trafficking in persons, modern-day slavery, is a significant concern for this committee, and I look forward to working with you closely to tackle this insidious crime and human rights abuse. The release of this year's Trafficking in Persons report underscores the importance that the administration and Secretary Kerry place on combating modern slavery. As noted by Senator Cardin, this year marks the 15th installment of the report, as well as the 15th anniversary of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, TVPA. The report itself reflects a year of dedicated effort by the Department of State's Office to monitor and combat trafficking in persons, the TIP office, as well as other bureaus and offices and our missions around the world. Working year-round across offices and continents, the department engages governments and civil society. It collects data. It navigates local laws. It develops best practices and objectively assesses each government's effort, including our own, to comply with the minimum standards for the elimination of trafficking in persons as established by the TVPA. In this process, we assess the adequacy of national laws in prohibiting and punishing trafficking, and we evaluate government actions to prosecute suspects, protect victims, and prevent further trafficking. Based on the country assessments, the TIP report ranks countries and territories on different tiers in accordance with the minimum standards outlined in the TVPA. These two distinct processes both entail complex criteria that require comprehensive factual analysis. The TVPA establishes criteria for the minimum standards in combating trafficking and delineates additional criteria for assigning tier rankings to governments for their anti-trafficking efforts. And let me walk through the four key elements of the minimum standards. The first three revolve around the adoption of adequate anti-trafficking laws. This is seen as a critical hurdle for states because it establishes a comprehensive legal standard to effectively prosecute and penalize 
perpetrators. The fourth element of the TVPA's minimum standards is whether or not a government has undertaken serious and sustained efforts to eliminate trafficking over the current reporting period. And the TVPA provides 12 indicia to assess these efforts. Several of these indicia include additional criteria. The ranking process builds on minimum standards, but it also entails additional criteria pursuant to the TVPA. A tier one country is one that fully complies with these minimum standards. A tier two ranking indicates that a, government's, a country's government does not yet fully comply with minimum standards, but is making significant efforts to bring itself into compliance. By contrast, a tier two watch list country indicates that a country is also making significant efforts to comply with the minimum standards, but in addition, it meets one of the TVPA's following three conditions. One, the number of trafficking victims is very significant or significantly increasing. Two, the government failed to provide evidence of increasing efforts from the previous year. Or three, the government committed to make significant anti-trafficking efforts over the next year. A tier three ranking applies to a government that does not fully comply with the minimum standards and is not making significant efforts to bring itself into compliance. The tier ranking process further includes contextual factors such as the severity of the problem and the feasibility of further pro progress given available resources and capacity. In most cases, this tier assessment process clearly places government actions into one of the tiers. In other cases, further discussion among senior department officials is required to clarify information and assess the totality of government efforts pursuant to the TVPA's criteria. And this ultimately leads to the Secretary of State's designation of tier rankings for each country and approval of the TIP report. It's helpful, I think very important, to underscore that the tier rankings do not assess the severity of a human trafficking problem in a given country. The tier rankings assess the government's efforts in addressing human trafficking problems over the current reporting period compared to that government's own efforts in the prior year. And determinations about the direction and quality of that progress in a given country are guided by the complex criteria outlined in the TVPA itself and described on pages 45 through page 50 of the TIP report. The rigorous and comprehensive annual assessment process is what makes the TIP report the gold standard in anti-trafficking assessments. It's one of the most effective diplomatic tools our government has for encouraging a foreign government to improve its anti-trafficking efforts. In the 2015 TIP report, 18 countries were upgraded and 18 were downgraded. In comparison, 15 were upgraded and 19 were downgraded in the 2014 report. There were encouraging trends this year. Portugal and the Bahamas moved to Tier 1, while others, like Kenya, Panama, and Bosnia-Herzegovina, moved from the Tier 2 watch list to Tier 2. There's been considerable focus on countries that moved from tier three, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Cuba, Malaysia, Papua New Guinea, Saudi Arabia, and Uzbekistan. They moved to the tier two watch list. For countries that moved to the tier two watch list year, this year, the department closely evaluated the efforts those governments had made during the reporting period, as well as the commitments they made for the next year. And our posts are already working with host governments to encourage them four months into 
this next year's reporting cycle to implement the recommendations outlined in this year's report. And the TIP office is finalizing U.S. assistance programming strategies to help make those recommendations a reality. Embassy personnel are having dialogues with host government officials on how to better combat this crime and protect citizens. Just yesterday, the Secretary discussed the importance of continuing progress against trafficking with the government of Malaysia. The challenges are great, even for tier one countries like the United States, and yet when I meet with trafficking survivors, whether in Uganda or India or Albania, I'm reminded of how crucial and indeed how effective our work is. By prioritizing this issue, the US government has already changed the lives of millions across the globe, and Congress has played a leading role in this effort, from passing the TVPA to providing yearly resources to support anti-trafficking initiatives on the front lines of this global struggle. Though we can be very proud of U.S. efforts and encouraged by the progress to date, we cannot rest until the scourge of modern slavery has ended and all of its victims are free to choose their own destinies. Thank you, and I look forward to your questions. Thank you very much. Um, I think it would be helpful uh, for all of us to, to uh, for you to explain your role and explain how that differs from the Undersecretary of Political Affairs. I think it would just be good to sort of set that context first. And, and if you would, maybe elaborate a little bit on the, the frictions that naturally occur between the political affairs component and your role ensuring the integrity of a program like this. Thank you for the question, Senator. Uh, the process that we undergo within the department engages many voices throughout the department. And as I noted, we work year-round together and evaluate information that comes in and is, is um, processed through the office, the TIP office, as well as a variety of other departments through the Bureau, working on the narratives for 188 countries. The involvement of uh, other officials would come to the extent that there are different perspectives that are presented to the Secretary for his consideration in final decision making on tier rankings. And as with any reporting process and as with any State Department deliberations, there are a multiplicity of views and the Secretary takes them into account when making his final decisions. And beyond that, the Department doesn't talk about internal deliberations. And uh, I guess by virtue of what you're saying, there are sort of different equities at stake, would that be I think correct? what's fair to say is that this is, as I hope I've outlined, a very complex process with a number of different elements, both with regard to the minimum standards and with regard to the separate criteria for the tier rankings. And that there are often gray areas and a need for further factual analysis and differences of opinions in terms of how to apply the complex uh, elements of the TVPA itself. So as with any human rights process, any State Department process, there are a multiplicity of perspectives. But at the end of the day, I guess, um, sort of up the food chain, if you will, that decision is going to be made. In other words, uh, someone above is going to decide which equities to stress more. And ultimately, uh, someone at a much higher level will decide um, whether they believe uh, someone should be ranked upwardly or downwardly, is that correct? The Secretary of State is responsible for the Trafficking in Persons Report, and mm -hmm. he makes the decisions yeah. about tier rankings, and I think there is no one who can question the Secretary's commitment 
to the anti-trafficking cause. It is something that he evinced as a prosecutor. It yeah. is something that he carried with him as a senator and as chairman of this committee. And it's certainly his strong and passionate commitment as Secretary of State. Well, I, I think they're probably, uh, it is viewed that uh, he probably cares about that. I, I think the concern that we have here is that uh, there are other interests that trumped uh, this. And so let me move into that. I, I am a strong supporter of, uh, of TPP. Um, I want to see the final elements. I'm a little concerned uh, about this last meeting and some of the things that are happening with intellectual property and other kinds of things. But I think that certainly establishing a, a good agreement, a good TPP agreement is, a, is, is worthwhile. I think that uh, it would go without saying uh, that most of us, many of us are concerned that the upgrading of Malaysia had more to do with trying to make sure that TPP was entered into successfully than a care for people being trafficked. I mean, I think that's sort of the central reason we're having this meeting right now, along with Cuba and a few other places where the administration's policies towards those countries trumped any real regard for humans that are being trafficked. So I wonder if you could, uh, we've looked at, we understand that uh, obviously Malaysia has passed some laws. I've looked at the actual effect on people and I see very minimal, very minimal, it's like eyewash, effect on human beings in Malaysia. And I think, you know, again, the reason we're here, let's face it, uh, let's, you know, be outward about this, is many of us believe that, to use a rhetorical phrase, you sort of threw the trafficking piece under the bus to ensure that you were successful with TPP. And I'd like for you to do everything you can at this moment, uh, you've got an audience, to allay that concern and to talk to us about the, the number of people that were actually positively affected by this new criteria uh, in Malaysia. Well, thank you for um, sharing your views, uh, Mr. Chairman. I think it's important to note that the Secretary himself spoke to the concern that you raised uh, yesterday in Malaysia, he conveyed that he had zero conversation about TPP relevant to his decision related to the trafficking in persons report and the tier rankings process. So I hope that that can satisfy your concerns. I'm happy to talk about I, the I, I tell you what would, what would satisfy my concerns is if you could just lay out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, uh, that comment does nothing to allay my concerns. If you would tangibly explain to us how young women, 16 years old, trafficked for sex were positively affected by the government of Malaysia's policies this year that caused them to go from tier three to tier two. I'm Explain to, that to me. I'm happy to talk about the process by which we apply the law's standards. No, no, no. I don't want the process. I want you to explain to me how people, real life people, that have parents and brothers and sisters, were affected by the government's actual implementation 
and therefore caused them to move from tier three which to tier two, which conveniently, by the way, causes the TPP process to work in a way that uh, works very well. The tier two watch list criteria pursuant to the TVPA law um, means that a government does not fully comply with the minimum standards for the elimination of trafficking, but that that government is making significant efforts to do so. And while Malaysia's tier two watch list ranking reflects the government's efforts and commitments to amend its anti-trafficking laws, the fact remains that the government has major work to do on its anti-trafficking efforts. We will continue to work with the Malaysian government, as the Secretary began yesterday, in Malaysia doing, to urge the government to make continued progress. In terms of the application of the TVPA law itself, a key factor to highlight in Malaysia's upgrade is the Malaysian government's efforts during the reporting period, as well as its commitment to amend its anti-trafficking law in the year ahead, which was, of course, the number one recommendation from the 2014 TIP report. During the reporting period, the government officials con consulted with civil society in drafting amendments to the existing Anti-Trafficking in Persons Act to address Malaysia's flawed victim protection regime, a central concern of ours. The government held four cabinet meetings to move toward implementation of the law and committed itself to passage of the law. We're encouraged by more recent progress on the amendments that occurred outside of the 2014 reporting period, but that were consistent with the commitments that the government made during the reporting period that have been made in moving the law forward. The parliament has passed the amendments and they will enter into force in the near future. In addition to this progress, the Malaysian government authorities increased their anti-trafficking efforts in each of the three P areas. They increased the number of trafficking investigations by more than 100%, and they increased prosecutions by 67%. And on protection, they experimented with a pilot program, very modest, very small, but nonetheless a pilot program addressing one of our core concerns, which was the ability of trafficking victims to leave government facilities in order to work while pending successful prosecutions of the cases. In the area of prevention, the Malaysian authorities undertook campaigns to raise awareness, continued their efforts to publish informational brochures, and trained nearly 700 officials. Having said all, so these are the reasons, Mr. Chairman, uh, that factored into the TVPA criteria pursuant to the Secretary's decision making on the tier rankings. We still have enormous concerns about trafficking in Malaysia, and those concerns are detailed in the report itself. We hold no punches in terms of clarifying the extent of the problem and the nature of the problem. And we see this as the important work ahead for us to, to work with the Malaysian government over the course of the next year. I can detail more our concerns, but they're, they're fully documented in the report itself. I, uh, I know that you uh, have to be here today representing the department, and I know that you have to read the things that you just read. And uh, I would just say I, I don't think that any person who, I don't think any person in Malaysia um, that has loved ones um, who have been sold into sex slavery 
I would be very comforted by what you just said, but I realize you have to do what you do, and I don't want to make any kind of personal attacks. But if I could, I know you talked about percentages. The government convicted three traffickers for forced labor, three, and one for passport retention, a decrease from nine traffickers that it convicted in 2013. And you raised them from tier three to tier two based on those outcomes. Let me say this one more time. The government convicted, this is a country that has massive trafficking, massive. I have met young ladies in the Philippines that were trafficked to Malaysia, sold into sex slavery. I, I hope they're not watching this. So the government convicted three traffickers for forced labor, and forced labor now, and one for passport retention. And our State Department, for that record, less than what they did the year before, a country that is one of the worst in the world, and we raise them. I, I don't see the tangible outcome, and I, I listen to all your criteria, but I'm sorry. It, it just doesn't hit me at a place that causes me to believe that there was integrity in this upgrade. And I'd like for you to respond, then I'll move to the next person. I feel like I'm dominating. Sure. I think um, whether it's nine convictions or whether it's three convictions in the case of Malaysia, given the scale of the problem, it's inadequate. The report makes that very plain. It is, that is not the basis on which the secretary would make a sole decision regarding a tier ranking. I've explained to you many of the elements that fit the criteria that are required for us to consider under the law pursuant to both the narrative, the factual narrative in the book itself, and pursuant to presenting any information for the Secretary's decision with regard to tier rankings. As you well know, the legislation itself is very complex. It asks us to look at a huge variety of factors and it asks us to weigh and balance a huge variety of factors. Not all of the indicators go in the same direction. And the, the comprehensiveness of this report and the facts that are contained in the narratives, I think are, are something that we should be very proud of and something that we can continually use to try to achieve the very kinds of impacts on the ground that you're talking about. Secretary Kerry, yesterday in Malaysia, raised this issue of prosecutions, offered to have the FBI help Malaysia improve its investigatory capacity because it's our understanding that that's a significant factor in limiting effective prosecutions. That's an example of the ways in which we use the report, we use the factual analysis to try to make real outcomes for people on the ground. I will uh, reserve my questions, my additional questions for later. I would just say that I would think that you would raise them up after they took him up on the offer of the FBI helping and um, actually began to be serious. I, I know that, again, you're, you're tasked with a tough job today, and my, my heart goes out to you, uh, Senator Cardin. 
The Trafficking Victims Protection Act is meant for the ratings to be done based solely on the circumstances on the ground and meeting the criteria of the statute. And as you point out, we evaluate all countries, including the United States. It's not meant to have any considerations of political factors and other bilateral issues between countries. That was uh, the clear intent of Congress. I know that S Secretary Kerry has reported that that was true in this case. And uh, the, the perception here is to the contrary. And it may require us to look at changes in the statute to preserve the integrity of this report, and I'm going to ask you to, to provide to this senator ways that we can strengthen the law to make sure that those who are closest to the ground and understand what's going on using international standards uh, have the most to say about how the rankings are done. So let me get to Malaysia, and I could go to other countries. What concerns me about Malaysia, maybe you can give me other examples where this has happened. In 2014, we downgraded Malaysia's standing from Tier 2 watch to Tier 3. And we were pretty specific as to what we wanted them to do in order to get off of that list. You point out that the number one recommendation was to amend the anti-trafficking law, and that's what it is, the number one statement in the report. Have we ever taken a country off a tier three watch list because they have pending, but not enacted, the changes we asked for in their law? Are there other examples where you can show us that after one year of being on tier three, we said that they have made serious and sustained efforts and significant efforts by proposing a law, not enacting it, and not having any experience as to how well that law, in fact, has been implemented, which was our number one recommendation. It seems to me taking them off of the tier three takes the pressure off, and therefore, what guarantees do we have that they, in fact, will follow up the law that we intended? Let me also mention a couple other factors that were in the 2014 report. We had prosecute trafficking offenses and convict and punish traffickers. That was based upon nine convictions inadequate, they went from tier two watch to tier three because they didn't convict. It's called impunity. You may have laws, you may have prosecution, but if you can't convict, if you can't hold people accountable, they walk and they know that they can commit the crimes. That's unacceptable in our 2014 report, unacceptable. We have to have more prosecution. 2015, they go from nine to three. Where is that serious and sustained and significant progress? You then list in your report to justify this that they set up, the government adopted a 
project to allow a limited number of victims to work with outside government facilities, because one of the recommendations in 2014 is to work with the victims. My understanding that pilot program had four people participating in it. I don't even know why you listed it. It seems like you're trying to justify a result that's not there. Where am I wrong? What am, what am, what am I not seeing here? Well, let me offer a couple of, of responses to that, um, Senator Cardin. First of all, as you will know, the report itself judges not the uh, situation of trafficking or the severity of a problem per se. The report itself judges the government's efforts, and it judges those efforts in a dynamic context. It judges the government's efforts this year against the government's efforts during the last reporting period. And part of the strength of the TVPA, in my opinion, is the fact that it is an annual process, and therefore there is a constant reevaluation of uh, all of the different elements that come into play in evaluating both a country's uh, efforts with regard to the minimum standards articulated in the report and the placement of a country on a watch list. Now, in the case of Malaysia, as, as I said, um, I, the, the report itself, the Trafficking in Victims report itself, um, makes the very points that you made. It talks about uh, the limited number of prosecutions and how that is a weakness. So it, they're it, on tier three because of that. That's one of the reasons. The, they, they then get rewarded from tier three to tier two watch from going from nine convictions to three. One of the things that I have learned in um, working with the Trafficking in Persons Office is how the TVPA specifically requires the administration to look at a huge number of factors. And, and we you can follow always the justify, law. you can always justify a decision. We follow the law aft by, by, do, by upholding exactly the provisions of the report and looking at all of these different pieces of information. They are in turn all reflected in the report. I think you will see virtually in, in any country that we evaluate to include our own country, criticisms, shortfalls. So the, the, the ranking process needs to be um, understood as one that evaluates the government its actions compared to its actions before, and that will be reevaluated in a year's time. There are so many different elements that come into play that um, we include in the report both the criti criticism of prosecutions, but we also include in the report, pursuant to the 3P requirement of the TVPA, where the government has made progress in other aspects. I'll just so point. All of those go into the, the uh, narrative process, and it's that fact-based narrative process that in turn informs the Secretary's decisions on the tier rankings. I, I just call your attention to your own report, 2014. Mm -hmm. The recommendation section is not very long. It contains <coughs> maybe 10 recommendations for change. I don't see progress in any one of the 10 in the 2015 report, other than the recommended changes in the law that have not been passed yet. I, I look at each one of these, and I look at your narrative here, trying to compare where progress has been made. I don't see, I mean, if, if the, the reports mean anything, if the recommendations mean anything, 
then it seems to me they have to be, if we're going to upgrade their, their tier status, it's got to be based upon concrete progress made on the recommendations of the previous reports. So let me explain the recommendations then. The re recommendations for a given country do not reflect the steps that need to be taken in order to jump to the next tier. That's not the purpose of the recommendations. Our report aims higher. Our recommendations for each country ask them to stretch toward the minimum standards and ask them to stretch in ways that would take them far beyond the next tier ranking. We ask for more. So the recommendations are not linked to the next tier ranking. The recommendations are all of the different changes that we would like to see to be fulfilling the minimum standards related to the Palermo Protocol. Yes, and that's, that's what I would expect. But to, to upgrade a, a rating, a tier, you would expect that there have been progress made. In, in, in this case, going from three to two, you have to sure. have sustained and serious and sustained efforts and significant efforts. That's the standard in the statute. So you have to have that. Mm -hmm. So the, your recommendations for them to meet the minimum standards are spelled out in the 2014 report where they're rated tier three. But I'm going through those, mm -hmm. those, re those recommendations for action, then looking at your justifications in the 2015 report and don't see a linkage between serious and sustained and significant progress to reaching the recommendations that we, laid, that we put out here to justify an upgrade. There are, are very few relative to the number of countries in the world that meet the minimum standards. Um, I think that is perhaps part of the confusion. So the minimum standards are something that we aspire to see all 188 countries move toward. Um, even those countries that meet the minimum standards, the report still requires that we ask countries to do better and that we measure them by their own progress there. In the case that you're raising specifically of Malaysia, um, I've articulated several of the different elements of change that the government made over the course of the last year pursuant to the TVPA criteria that have a bearing on tier ranking placement. Those include both actions and commitments to address what was a key concern of ours over recent years with Malaysia pertaining to both the law and the treatment of victims, and also included concrete actions in some areas such as investigations and, and prosecutions, but as you pointed out, not convictions, but there, was, there were uh, positive efforts in that regard. So it's a complex equation with many different factors. But I think what's really important is that in all cases, we are asking countries to do more, even in cases where countries meet minimum standards. But as I said, uh, those countries currently meeting minimum standards are unfortunately still a minority in, of the 188 countries and territories that we examine. So, so I would ask that if you would give me examples of a country that was rated is a tier two country going down to a tier three country in the following year, going from tier three back up to tier two, uh, that got that based upon promises, not action. Because that's well, what I think you're saying. You're saying promises, no. not actions. And what, I'll just make this last point, and I, I would appreciate that information, where you've seen that quick of a turnaround from tier th two, tier three, back to tier two on promises. And I can tell you this, once the spotlight goes down, and it does, once this report is issued, they know they have another year, the chances of getting the type of action is just not there anymore. 
based upon the TIP ranking. That's a lot of pressure. Believe me, I can't tell you how many representatives from other countries come in and talk to me and complain about the, the TIP report rank, rank, rankings. And I'd say, look, let's look over the report. This is what you can do. These are the minimum standards. This is how you can do better. We all can do better. The United States can do better. We all know that. The purpose of these reports is for all of us to do better because we all agree trafficking is horrendous. But in this situation, when you can get an upgrade on the cheap, and that's what it looks like, by making a promise without action, it diminishes the strength we have of this report. And if there are other examples, please show me. Show me where you've gone for such a quick turnaround based upon promises, not action, because uh, that appears to be what you have in Malaysia today in the way you did this report. Senator Menendez. Uh, <clears throat> Madam Secretary, you were here in February before the committee. And at the time, I said to you, now the trafficking in persons report we have all recognized is a significant tool in our efforts here. And the chairman referred to the fact that we have no ambassador at large uh, in that role. So I assume that your answer to him is that you are personally going to protect the integrity of the TIP report overall and especially with regard to particular countries that may be subject to intense political pressure within the building? And your answer to me was yes. Now, before you answer my questions, I want you to think about the following. I want you, before you answer my questions, to think, if there was an Inspector General's investigation or some other investigation, would your answers hold up in emails, memos, letters, and any and all communications. So with that in mind, which Mr. Chairman, I, I would urge the committee to seek uh, all of the documentation that was created in the context of devising this year's report because in the answers to you and the ranking member, I, I certainly am, am not satisfied, but... Uh. If I could, I, I think that based on this presentation, if that is not forthcoming immediately, my sense is uh, the committee would take the very unusual step of subpoenaing that information. This is the possibly the most heartless lacking of substance presentation I've ever seen about a serious topic. And um, I don't see how anybody could believe that there was integrity in this process. I feel for our witness. I know she has to come up here and do what she does. This may be the worst day she's ever had in her service to have to say the things that she's reading to us right now. But uh, I would join in with others if that information is not coming to subpoena that information because I think, uh, I think, uh, uh, I think it should be done. So I, whatever you guys wish to do, I will join you. Well, in I, I would urge you to the bottom member at least to send a letter immediately to seek preservation of all such documents so that uh, if uh, they are forthcoming, that's great, and they can be analyzed. If not, uh, that they are preserved. Uh, this is the latest 
that the TIP report has uh, been issued, is it not? I'm sorry, sir? This is the latest that the TIP the report has time. been issued. Yes. Uh, and uh, why was that? Well, there are a number of reasons, but they include the Secretary's personal commitment to being engaged in these issues and his travel schedule difficulties to make the time for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So uh, let me ask you, uh, what is the start and end dates? I know you've talked about the complexity of this calibration, so let me deal with some things that maybe aren't so complex. What are the start and end dates of the reporting period covered by the TIP report? Sure. Um, the TIP report runs through March 31st, and it typically, uh, it typically covers data from prior years. So April where, 1st, 2014 to March 31st, 2015. Where we have, uh, where we have data. Okay. So the reality is that one of the main justifications for the upgrade of Malaysia that you've testified to here and answered as well was the government's effort to introduce amendments to strengthen anti-trafficking laws and provide additional support for victims. But it's my understanding that the Malaysian cabinet did not introduce these amendments until April 3rd and that these were not approved by the Malaysian parliament until June. Is that correct? That is correct, sir, and I would refer you to the factors to consider in determining Tier 2 and Tier 2 watch list or Tier 3 countries, which exist in the law, the TVPA itself. Uh, and one of those factors includes the, uh, the determination that a country is making uh, significant efforts to bring themselves into compliance. So simply offering amendments before they're ever passed, before they're introduced, before they become part of the law, even before implementation, you're saying you suggest that's significant? Uh, as I stated, Without knowing how far they were going to go in the reporting period? There are a variety of ways in which Malaysia made progress over the course of the last calendar okay, year. Okay, I've heard that answer. One of those I, ways I'd like to you to be responsive to my question. Let me ask you this. On June 1st, the Assistant Secretary of State for Population, Migration, and Refugees, Ann Richard, reaffirmed that the 2015 TIP report covers March, uh, until March 2015, which means that Malaysia's handling of the Rohingya refugee crisis will only be reflected in the 2016 report. So how is it that you reflect things that happened after the reporting period that are positive, but you won't reflect those things that are negative after the reporting period? It seems to me you can't have it both ways. I'd be happy to explain that, Senator. Um, the law that I was referring to, the TVPA law, specifically states that a, that a country's making significant efforts to bring themselves into compliance with minimum standards based on commitments by the country to take additional future steps over the next year is in the Tier 2 watch list criteria pursuant to the law. That is the law. It has us looking at commitments. Those do not need to be, are not, are not necessarily the sole reason for a decision related to a tier ranking. And as I stated in the case of Malaysia, there are a number of different elements of progress that were made, so, both pursuant to preparing for the law, but also in other areas that were factored into whatever decision that the secretary makes. So the upgrade was partially based on actions that have not been implemented, that were not even passed, that were outside of the reporting period but you didn't take into account the discovery of the mass graves found in May. Clearly, those graves reflected many months of trafficking activity before their discovery. 
So I, I, I don't uh, quite get it. Let me ask well, you Senator this. Senator Menendez, we are very concerned about trafficking in well, Malaysia. Well, it's not that your concern that I'm worried about. Uh, it is your actions, not your concern. Well, our actions When I presided over your hearing as chairman of this committee, I believed that you were concerned. Now I am concerned about your actions. Let me ask you, and not, not yours so much, but, but since you, were, you said to us in February you'd be responsible, uh, you know, I, I, I have to pursue. Now, it's been answered here that there were nine convictions for trafficking in 2014. There were three in 2015. That's a two-third decrease in convictions that Malaysia had over the reporting period. And then the TIP report mentions a pilot program that allowed victims to work outside of government holding facilities and the answer to that is there were four people totally who participated. So you're telling us that the upgrade was based on preliminary action, on legal reform that took place after the reporting period, on increased investigations that resulted in fewer convictions, and a pilot program that granted a total of four victims some refuge. Let me share with you the Secretary's comments on Malaysia, Senator. Um, he signed off on the, the tier ranking relative to Malaysia um, with, because of his belief that Malaysia has taken the right steps to change. Those include a variety of factors, many of which I've enumerated. There are other elements that are deeply concerning, many of which I have enumerated and you have enumerated. Um, the Secretary said the rankings indicates tier two watch list that there is still enormous room for improvement it's not a gold seal of approval, and it's a sign of movement in the right direction. Well, I, I appreciate all of that, but Malaysia got what they wanted. They got into Tier 2, which just happens to allow them to continue TPP negotiations and have preferential access into the United States market, assuming that they actually conclude successfully being part of the TPP, which under Tier 3 and my amendment, which is a law, they would not have qualified for preferential. They could have been negotiated with, but they did not qualify for preferential access. Now, here's what the groups on the ground tell us what's actually happening in Malaysia. In Malaysia. July 22nd press release from the president of the Malaysian Bar states, quote, any upgrade at this juncture would thus be a hollow victory of form over substance. The lies of an untold number of individuals bear silent testimony to the conclusion that Malaysia has yet to earn any upgrade. The UN's, moving on, the UN Special Rapporteur on Trafficking in Persons in June of this year, and referring to the same time period covered by the 2015 TIP report, said that the rate of prosecution of trafficking cases also remains very low, which perpetuates the impunity of traffickers and obstructs victims' access to justice. And David Abramowitz of the Alliance to End Slavery and Trafficking said, Recent press reports suggest that the State Department is recommending that Secretary Kerry take an immoral and unprincipled stand in this year's trafficking in persons. Report by concluding that the government of Malaysia is making significant efforts to combat human trafficking in this country is simply not sustainable. So uh, I, I, there's a whole host of, I could go on, of universe that has a different view. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I have questions about Cuba, and I'll, uh, I'm sure, I hope there'll be a second round. I have no objection uh, to you continuing. I, I do want to move to India in that I think it's, I think everyone in the audience 
pretty well understands why Malaysia was upgraded. I'm not sure I understand uh, what the competing equities were on India. And so I think, I think we've established what happened with Malaysia, and I, I think there'll be further investigations uh, that will occur, but uh, I do hope we'll get to India. It's uh, hard for me to understand how India could possibly be a tier, tier two entity, and I hope the secretary uh, will explain to us what those competing equities were there, because I'm not sure I fully understand. But if you want to go on with Cuba for a moment, that would be fine. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, so, Madam Secretary, at the rollout of the report, Secretary Kerry announced that you had the primary supervisory responsibility for it. According to a Reuters article published Monday, the TIP office disagreed with the Diplomatic Bureau's on 17 rankings and was overruled on 14 of the 17, representing the worst ratio in the 15-year history of the TIP report. Is that accurate? We do not comment on internal deliberations, um, Senator Menendez. Um, what I can tell you is that the, the reporting uh, that was done by the TIP office and the team at the State Department was thorough and fact-based. Well, so you are neither saying it was accurate or inaccurate. Mr. Chairman, and to the ranking member who asked about possible reforms to the law, it seems to me that it at least confidentially should be transmitted to Congress to understand the deliberations that took place. So that if, in fact, the Reuters article is true, that out of 17 disputes that the TIP uh, office uh, supposedly said these countries should not be elevated, that they lost 14 times, which is the worst ratio if it's true, that's something Congress should know. Did the TIP office recommend that either Malaysia or Cuba stay on Tier 3, as Reuters suggests? Senator Menendez, the department doesn't comment on internal deliberations. Now, let me ask you this. When did you begin to engage with Cuba since we didn't formally establish relationships until after March 31st of 2015, which is the end of the reporting period? Uh, let me get that information for you. Uh, Cuba sent two of its government anti-trafficking experts to participate in an international visitors leadership program in June 2015. Uh, this was the first time any government of Cuba official participated in the program. And participants learned about the U.S. perspectives on the problem and observed how we fight trafficking in person. So that was an informative process that they had. And over the course of the last two years, the department has begun sharing information with Cuba, um, asking Cuba for information regarding its anti-tip efforts. The significance of the, the engagement, I think, cannot be uh, overstated, which is to say that we previously had no information from Cuba at all on uh, the trafficking situation in Cuba, and we now receive information from the government. And so, that has enabled us to provide more concrete So the providing of information is sufficiently no, uh, to be uh, raised you from tier to three to tier two? Engagement. Let me ask you this. Did the USTR or the White House communicate with State Department officials to urge a specific outcome in any of these rankings? Not to my knowledge. And so email chains would show that that's not the case, right? To my knowledge, that's correct. Uh, let me ask you this. I have serious concerns about politics having influenced the decision to upgrade Cuba from Tier 3. 
The 2015 report recognizes that there has been no progress on issues of forced labor. And we all know that the Castro regime is complicit in nearly all cases. Last year, the Cuban government conscripted thousands of doctors to participate in foreign medical missions, including combating Ebola in Africa. In addition to the well-known fact that the Castro regime grabs over 70% of the wages paid by the World Health, Health Organization to Ebola medical mission participants, there are more troubling considerations that didn't make the 2015 tip report. For example, the Madrid-based news platform Diario de Cuba reported that Cuban doctors were forced to list the Cuban government and not their families as beneficiaries on well health organization provided life insurance policies. The, two, uh, the 2015 TIP report states that Cuba is a source country for adults and children subjected to sex trafficking. And while information on the scope of this issue is extremely limited, there are independent reports which indicate that many prostituted children in Cuba are second or third generation, and in some cases, as young as four years old. In a country where there is virtually no reporting data on human trafficking, nor the willingness to allow international human rights organizations or NGOs to conduct investigations, how does the State Department measure progress? How can you help us understand how the administration quantifies any advantages given the restrictions presented by Cuba today? Thanks for the question, Senator. Um, you're absolutely right. We we remain concerned about, about labor trafficking in Cuba, and I think the report makes that clear. What has been significant and where we have seen change in Cuba is on the question of sex trafficking. Um, the conviction of sex traffickers uh, has been significant in the context of Cuba's history and the region. And the provision of services to sex trafficking victims is also something that's extremely positive that we've seen uh, on behalf of the Cuban government. They have additionally made efforts to increase awareness and prevention efforts with regard to sex trafficking, and they've provided training to Cuban officials to recognize it and assistance to U.S. federal prosecutors. Let me ask you this. Cases. Given the fact that the Castro regime takes 70% of the wages paid to its doctors and that Cuban doctors were forced to sign their life insurance policies over to the government, and that in many cases when they are sent abroad, their passports are taken away so that they cannot flee. Did the State Department consult with the World Health Organization about those incidents? I would have to check on that, sir. I would don't Would you get know. that I'm back sorry. formally Absolutely. for the committee? Uh, Mr. Chairman, I, I, I won't go on. I'll, I'll just simply close, Mr. Chairman, by saying, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I took to heart uh, what Secretary Kerry said when he released the report. He said, we have to be true to the principle that although money may be used for many things, we must never, ever allow a price tag to be attached to the heart and soul and freedom of a fellow human being. Well, I don't know that we didn't pervert that lofty goal by a report that clearly seems to me has been politicized in a way that is not justifiable and cannot be justified. And uh, I look forward to continuing to be engaged with the chair and the ranking member on this issue. Well, thank you. And I, I uh, deeply appreciate your sincerity on this issue and your long-held concerns. Uh, Senator Cardin been a champion for human rights. And uh, I uh, just want to say to the secretary, I'm putting you on notice 
that any destruction of emails, phone records, or letters from 11.19 a.m. on uh, uh, could have significant consequences. I know that we are um, going dis to discuss how we go forward and trying to understand what really has occurred here. I think it is an understatement uh, to say that this testimony does not uh, cause us to have a lot of faith in what's occurring. And I, I would just say again, if you, the administration is not serious about carrying out issues of this type, I, I think uh, certainly it, with other issues before us, um, certainly creates concerns. So let me go to India. I think we all understand, again, what happened with Malaysia. Talk to me a little bit about the, if you can, in India. I mean, uh, it's an amazing thing. I mean, as I understand it, the government of India seized the passports of trafficking victims and their families who were issued T visas, which are reserved, by the way, for trafficking victims by the U.S. In other words, we were trying to get trafficking victims here to safety, and we understand that uh, the government of India seized their passports. Um, I, uh, they denied international travel to, uh, to others. Um, can you tell me what the internal rubs would have been within the department, in other words, the other equities, I think that we fully understand with Malaysia, that would have caused the department to, to not be uh, any more pursuant, if you will, uh, on India? Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. You know, India's tier two ranking indicates that it does not fully comply with minimum standards uh, but is making efforts to do so. And the significance of those efforts is really primarily in the shelter and rehabilitation services arena, as well as in its training of prosecutors and judges, and the launching upon the order of the Supreme Court within India of searches to trace the whereabouts of lost and abandoned children, including potential trafficking victims. We remain concerned, as you stated, about the T visa issue. Um, it was in February, I don't want to miss, July 2014, that the government of India began confiscating the passports of Indian nationals that had received T visas. As you noted rightly, um, these were visas provided by the U.S. government to uh, trafficking victim family members. Um, those who had, these were the T derivative visas. The Indian High Court has ruled in favor of petitioners that had had their passports confiscated as a result of the policy. They cited a violation of their rights guaranteed under the Indian Constitution. The Indian government has not appealed this case, but the actual disposition of the cases affected by the policy remain pending at the close of the reporting period. But this is absolutely a concern, and this is one that we um, do repeatedly raise with the Indian government. Mr. Ranking Member, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you more questions. I, I think it's pretty clear that until we get into the internal uh, documents, we're never going to know what uh, truly is at hand here. I, I, uh, I gave a speech on the floor, which I rarely do. Nothing really happens on the floor that matters most of the time, uh, speech-wise. And uh, 
I went down, uh, I know there's a lot of discussion right now about the presidential races and the anger that the American people have at the, at the U.S. government and some of the anomalies that are taking place. Uh, people are, you know, making comments about certain candidates and why they're getting traction and why they're on both sides of the aisle, I might ask. And at the time when we passed the highway bill, uh, when in essence, you know, we engaged in generational theft where we took basically 10 years of spending and three years of payout and we created all these gimmicks uh, because, let's face it, Congress doesn't have the courage to deal with the issue head on. I, I said this was exhibit A to why Americans are so upset at government. I will have to say that uh, anybody watching this um, would have to say this is like exhibit A plus as to why Americans should be upset with government. This is a reflection on us. What we're hearing today is a reflection on us. And um, I am very disappointed in the testimony, and again, I don't want to take it out on the person who's been thrust into having to, to read these comments that were put together by bureaucrats at the State Department. But I do hope that we will um, take actions here. Um, this is obviously not something that uh, reflects the great nation that we are. Um, I don't think anybody listening to this could think that America is really serious, at least at the State Department level, uh, regarding trafficking in persons. I know we have a new person that's been nominated, by the way, who I do, I do think cares deeply about this issue and potentially uh, could bring about some balance here. I think we can see that the political side in other words, the expedient things for our country, especially involving money, money, uh, those things uh, sort of won out in this process over the human side. Um, but I'm disappointed, and I do hope, uh, uh, I'm not going to say any more for regretting maybe going over the top here. I, I won't do that. But uh, I do think that uh, we can all see that we have created a, something here that is not working properly. And uh, it's, uh, this process to me has been extremely inappropriate, especially this year. And uh, I look forward to working with you and others on this committee to try to figure out a way to rectify uh, something that's gone amok and, uh, and, and pulling back some balances here so that we ensure that human beings' lives uh, at least come into some kind of balance relative to other equities, if you will, that uh, that our government has. I want to thank the the witness for Mr. Chairman, for willingness to come here. But uh, I'm gonna I'm not I'm not gonna ask any more questions because I realize I'm gonna get bureaucratic answers that don't really get to the essence of of what the problem is. Mr. Chairman, if I might just um, the tip report. It's a very valuable report. The rankings have incredible significance, not just in the spotlights of shaming nations to do better, and that's an important factor because it is not what you want to be on a watch list or on tier three. It also has financial implications. It has implications on our federal partnerships, and it has ramifications on private companies and their participation economically in other countries. So it's a, it's, it's a 
it's a very important tool. And countries hire lobbyists to try to influence uh, this country and things such as their tip reports. And that's one of the reasons why I am particularly concerned about the 2015 report. And, and, th and let me just sort of underscore this point. Whether po politics played a role or not in the determinations, the perception is that it did. And it's going to be a much more open season by countries to try to influence the tier rankings through the political process. That's not good. That's not good. And if the Reuters report is accurate, and I don't know if it is or not, and I'm not going to inquire further of, of our witness on this, but if the objective keepers were overruled a record number of times by those who are more politically engaged in other issues with countries other than trafficking, that also undermines uh, the confidence that this report will be done in the future based upon the objective standards that are in the statute, which has been why this report has been so valuable. So I come back to the point that I really do believe we need to revisit the statute. We need, I'm afraid, to take away some of the discretion at the higher levels at the State Department and looking at making sure that there's a more objective analysis on how these reports are done. And, um, or at least putting more transparency on the interaction at the higher levels of the State Department so that we have a more accountable system for how those decisions are made. Uh, and I regret that. And I'm not yet prepared to reach a conclusion as to how, the, uh, how these were done, other than to say there's certainly a perception out there that politics, other than the, the objectivity of the standards and statute, played a role in some of these determinations. And that's not healthy for the future of this report. And my interest as a United States Senator is to protect the integrity of the Trafficking in Persons Report, U.S. leadership globally on fighting trafficking. It is one of the great horrors of current time. And anything we can do to combat trafficking, uh, we need uh, to be aggressive in that area. Senator Menendez, do you want to say anything in closing? Um, we thank you very much for uh, for allowing us to, to have this venue. And, and uh, I, I, I do realize that if once you furnish to us all of the emails and phone conversations and letters about this, uh, we may reach a conclusion that uh, this process is full of integrity. Um, that's not my thinking today, but I certainly will await all of that information coming to us. and. I want to agree with the ranking member. I don't know exactly what actions uh, we need to take, and I know that whatever we take will do so in a manner that is very bipartisan in nature and one that only seeks to have integrity in this program. But I think certainly this meeting raises major concerns about whether this is something that has run amok. But uh, we, uh, and, and sometimes around here, let's face it, uh, when, when companies and countries uh, realize that they can affect the process to benefit them financially, um, let's face it, lobbying occurs. And it occurs not just in 
Congress, but it occurs, let's face it, in departments. So we need to make sure that uh, 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 we understand this fully. I, I hope that voluntarily all of the information relative to this will be forthcoming. I look forward to following up with the Secretary on this uh, in one form or, or another. And uh, I guess the record will remain open until uh, Monday afternoon for people to ask questions. And, uh, and with that, um, would you like to say anything else in closing? No, thank you. I think Americans can be very proud of the TIP report. I think it's made a difference for millions of people around the globe, and I think it will continue to make a difference in the future. And I certainly, as an American, am very pleased to be a part of it, and I'm proud that we've made elevated this issue on the global agenda and made a difference in so many lives. Well, thank you so much. Uh, the meeting is adjourned.